The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Not too shabby on this show this week. We're 5-3, up 1.8 units overall. You never want to complain when you're hitting 62.5% of your picks, and hopefully we can carry that momentum into another exciting championship weekend. So much fun action on our board today. It may be a day where you want to play things safe. Maybe you stay away from the tennis action. You focus on the college football, focus on the NFL, or maybe you just kick up your feet and enjoy everything happening in the sporting world as a fan. No one's going to knock you if that's the decision that you make and certainly it's been tricky on this show navigating the tennis schedule the two WTA events happening in Asia in Tokyo in Seoul they start about 10 p.m. 11 p.m. Eastern time from there you roll into the European ATP action whether it be the ATP event in France Labor Cup certainly capturing all of our attention and by the way we recap recapped that's how you say that word we recap day one of Labor Cup over on our mini break podcast feed also recapping everything happening in the pro tennis world elsewhere as well on that show so if you are looking for a conversation or maybe just a therapeutic session on Roger Federer's final professional match hopefully I offered some version of that on the mini break podcast just wanted to bring that show to all of your listeners attention you can find it all of your listeners all of you the listeners attention if you'd like to find it you can Look for it on our website, crackrackets.com, or by searching the Mini Break Podcast wherever you listen to your shows. I'm going to learn how to speak English in this podcast at some point. I do promise that to all of you listeners. But again, you know, that European action starting early in the morning here on the East Coast takes you to the early afternoon. And by then, you've got San Diego rocking and rolling, another ATP event, of course, countless challengers 
thrown in between as well. And by the time that San Diego action is in the books, then you restart and the cycle continues because now it's 10 p.m. Eastern time and Seoul begins and Tokyo begins. And it's been a really fun week as such as a tennis fan. Feels like there's always action available should you be looking for it. That said, some tricky matchups as we look at the next 24 hours in the pro tennis world. We'll try to navigate them, try to find some winners. I think I've got two for you here on today's show. And of course, I want to run you through my logic for those picks, give you the stats, give you the matchup perspectives, the things I like. Of course, want to run you through the rest of the board as well. Shout out to our friends at DraftKings for providing us the resources here at Crack Rackets to do these preview shows. Now, we do appreciate all of you who have continued to tune in day in, day out. Maybe some of you are even playing along with us. This will be a good week thus far to play along. But again, I am going to play some of today's show, say, from a unit perspective because we are up 1.8 units. And why spoil that if we're not 100% confident in our picks moving forward? That said, I do feel 100% confident in the two aces I am offering you today. With that said, let's get started. Here are my aces of the day. Let's start with a surprising single match underdog. Now, it's essentially a pick tomorrow between Yelena Ostapenko and Ekaterina Alexandrova in Seoul. You look at the odds according to our friends at DraftKings. Ostapenko, surprisingly, plus 105 underdog to Ekaterina Alexandrova's minus 130. Now, right off the bat, that caught my attention because according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, Yelena Ostapenko is a 73% favorite to capture the title tomorrow. Now, head-to-head, 4-2 Ekaterina Alexandrova. They played earlier this year in Madrid. Alexandrova, a 6-4 victory in the third. Ostapenko, a victory in the Lind semifinals, 7-5 in the third on hard courts. Alexandrova, three other victories to Ostapenko's one. Thus, it's a 4-2 overall advantage to Alexandrova. Now they're one and one when they've played on hard courts, which feels like the more relevant stat. And their last two matches uh, have both gone to three sets. It does feel like the margins are going to be thin between these two players tomorrow. That's why Alexandrova minus 130 feels a little bit strong. Now credit to Alexandrova, who's had a career season here at age 27. You look for Alexandrova this year, a very respectable 30 and 16 overall record. In fact, those 30 wins the second most in her career in a single season with, you know, at least six more weeks of competition to go, of course, for Alexandrova by reaching the final here in Seoul. It's her second final of this 2022 season. She captured a title on the grass courts earlier this year. You look for her overall. And again, now she's played what? This is her 18th total event of the year. She's made the quarterfinals four different times. She's 4-0 in those quarterfinal matches for what it's worth. That feels like a noted fact because Alexandrova is someone who runs extraordinarily hot and cold, and she's someone who plays with thin margins, a line drive hitter through and through. You know, again, she is going to drive that ball low over the net. She is going to generate great depth on her ground strokes when she is connecting with the ball freely, very comfortable changing directions, going down the line, beating you to the spot. I think she moves pretty well in and out of the corners. Also, you look at the numbers for Alexandrova, she's holding 71.9% of the time. That's a top 20 number. 
on the WTA Tour. She's also breaking serve 37.5% of the time. That's a top 25 number on the WTA Tour. Alexandrova, one of just 10 women's players this season to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. That feels notable. Of course, both of those numbers, career highs for her overall in a single season. So again, as I alluded to, Alexandrova's playing the best tennis of her career. There's a reason she's currently sitting at number 24 in the rankings. Of course, with her run this week, she's up to a new career high, number 22 in the live rankings. And I don't think she's in the points race. I mean, she's 20th right now. Even if she wins the title, she's up to 19th. She'd trail Kudermatova by a little under 1,000 points. It's a lot to make up, even with Guadalajara, that 1,000-level event still on the calendar. That said... I'm leaning with the underdog, Yelena Ostapenko, and here's why. Watching Ostapenko's semifinal match against Raducanu, a match she did trail, dropped the first set, you know, was tight in the second set when you could tell Raducanu sort of injured her left leg and then had to retire from the match in the third, but... Ostapenko was striking the ball extraordinarily well. And you look for Ostapenko this season. She's also certainly run hot and cold at times, but 28 and 15, now 29 and 15 with her win today overall on the year. She's winning essentially two thirds of her matches. And you look for Ostapenko, who came into the week ranked number 19. She's now back up to 17 in the live rankings, 18th in the points race. If she gets a victory, though, she's within. 500 points of Veronica Kudermatova, which is still a big margin, but you're not out of the race quite at this point. And you look for Ostapenko now. She is into her third final of this 2022 season, won the title in Dubai, finals in Eastbourne, now finals here in Seoul. She's played 17 total events. She's made the quarterfinals in five of them, where she is also undefeated in quarterfinal play this year. You look for Ostapenko from a numbers perspective, breaking serve 40.4% of the time. That's a top 10 number on the WTA Tour. Now she's holding serve 69.8% of the time, which is 0.3% below the top 50 average. She ranks 27th in hold percentage, so she's just outside the top 25 club, but she's certainly sniffing it. I mean, from a career perspective, this is the second highest win percentage for Ostapenko in a single season, trailing just her, obviously, career year in 2017, where she was a French Open champion. I mean, Ostapenko has been excellent this year, and I do think she's giving herself a little bit more margin when she's playing her best tennis. I think she's moving a little bit better in and out of the outer thirds of the court. I think when she makes over 60% of her first serves, she's winning every match that she plays because that first serve has become a weapon. It's just that first serve percentage fluctuates so much match in match out you know one match she'll make 66 percent the next match she's at 48 and you know she's been under the 60 percent mark in all four of her victories here this week that said she still finds herself in the final and I do think from a matchup perspective and this is the key part here on this surface the way Seoul is playing I think the weapons of Ostapenko prevent Alexandrova from doing what she wants to do because Ostapenko is going to tee off against anyone you know regardless of if you play with pace Ostapenko finds a way to take your second serve a little bit earlier a little bit further inside the court take time away from you and even when she's you know I, I just think she's making more returns now and she's just so powerful behind that return of serve. You don't have the time as a server to get into your first strike rhythm the way you do against other opponents. And I know 
Alexandrova beat Ostapenko on clay courts earlier this year. I just like the way Ostapenko's playing. Again, at this point of the tournament, it's an eye test bet. Ostapenko as the underdog, despite the fact that they have fairly equal stats on the season, despite the fact that, again, tennis abstract, a 73% favorite for Ostapenko. I'm back in the numbers in the eye test in this one. I'm taking Yelena Ostapenko, despite the fact she's a plus 105 underdog now. I will very likely live bet that match. So Ostapenko, let's say she wins the first set. Alexandrova would immediately become a plus odds underdog. You bet both, you kick up your feet, you enjoy the rest of the show. I'll take Ostapenko plus 105, half a unit on that to win 0.52 in return. Again, we're playing things safe here on today's show. I'm not 100% confident in that match. I think it's going to be fun. I think you're certainly well reasoned if you want to take the over two and a half sets at plus 115 or the over 21 and a half games at minus 120. I expect this could very well be another 6-4, in the third sort of battle. I'm leaning Ostapenko in this one because I just trust her quick trigger. She's going to swing big in the biggest moments. Occasionally, Alexandrova will get shaky. That said, again, when it's one of those weeks for Alexandrova, it's one of those weeks. So we'll see, and we'll certainly enjoy the action happening in Seoul. That is one of two WTA finals happening in the next 24 hours. Of course, the other one the match of the day on Sunday. I don't care what happens at Labor Cup. I don't care what happens anywhere else in the world. Jung Chin Wen, the Chinese sensation who has risen into the top 30 of the WTA rankings this season. You look for Chin Wen after her run this week at a career high 28 in the live rankings. She's also sitting at 31 in the points race. I mean, she's been phenomenal throughout the course of this year and was spectacular in a three-set win over Kudermatova to advance to the highest level final of her season. You look fortune when now 35-15 and 15 overall this year. And again, that hasn't been a cupcake schedule. She's 25-15 and 15 at the tour level, which means, again, undefeated when she's gone and played ITF level events or when she's had to play qualifying. Obviously, you look at just her hard court summer, quarterfinals Toronto, third round US Open, now finals here in Tokyo as well. She's established herself as one of the players you just got to keep an eye on over the next decade. She's in the conversation moving forward. She will be a player because she'll be a low 20 seed. People will try to call her a dark horse at the 2023 Australian Open. Crack Rackets listeners will know better because this was her breakout season to get a set off of Iga and make the fourth round at Roland Garros, to make third rounds, U.S. Open, Wimbledon, win a match at every major you play this season. And then again, finals in Tokyo, obviously ITF level success for her as well, winning a 125K in Valencia, 60K in Orlando to start the season. Her weapons are unequivocal in every match that she plays. You just have to factor them into the match because when she's hitting the big first serve and she's also a top 20 server, holding serve over 72% of the time, she just gets to assert herself. And then, and I'll talk about this in the mini break, go look at the sliding forehand winner she hit to draw, or not winner, but to draw the error from Kudermatova to break for 3-1 in the first set or go watch the on-the-run backhand cross-court that she hits to secure, uh, I believe, that third set breaker as well. It's just like she mixes in the defensive skills as well. She's a plus athlete with plus power. 
And yet I think she's just running into a buzzsaw tomorrow in Ludmilla Samsonova. And I've said these stats so many times, you listeners are probably sick of hearing them, but Samsonova's 17 of her 18 matches, last 18 matches, she's won. So 17 and one in her last 18. I mentioned yesterday she was 32 and four in her last 36 sets. She's now 34 and four in her last 38 sets after a straight set victory over Jung Shui in the Tokyo semifinals. Was a tight first set, 7 6, neither player broken serve. And then Samsonova's power pulls away because she's able to replicate it shot after shot, point after point. She's so. I mean, she's so physically fit. It's just like she does that power doesn't go away. And because she is so dominant behind the first serve, it's just really hard to keep pace with her. And, you know, for uh, for Jung Chinwen, who played two and a half hours against Kudermatova in the later of the two semifinals, I do think this will be a, t- a close match. I f- could very well see a tie break in this match. If you want to take over two and a half sets plus 125, you want to take over 21 and a half games minus 145. I like both of those bets as well. I just trust Samsonova to A, have fresher legs and B, be able to manufacture the sort of power tennis that can disrupt the rhythm of Jung Chin Wen because you look for Jung Chin Wen, she, you know, only breaks serve I only 31% of the time. That's a you know, 36th amongst top 50 players. You look for Samsonova, she's winning 46% of her return points over her last 18 matches. That number would rank sixth on the WTA Tour. I think Samsonova is the better returner right now, even though they're both returners who like to play big and go for their return as the definitive, you know, table-setting shot in the rally. I think Samsonova is a little bit better at that at this point. I think they both have big forehands that can be attacked by big serves. I think Samsonova is going to be better at doing that. And then I think Samsonova has the fresher legs. And so give me Ludmilla Samsonova to take this match minus two and a half games over Jung Chin Wen, which is a minus 115 proposition. You might just want to bet that on its own as opposed to betting the money line, which you look for Samsonova right now. Her money line in this match, you just want her straight up over Jung Chin Wen. She's currently minus 185. Again, the game spread, I think she wins minus 115, better than minus 185. She wins. She probably covers that minus two and a half game spread, and she's covered that, I believe, in every one of her last 17 victories. It uh, obviously didn't cover it in the loss against Tomjanovic, but would have covered two and a half games in every other match that she played. Just to make things even juicier, though, we're going to take that final. And by the way, Samsonova's 61.2% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. Junction Wen does have the 1-0 head-to-head, though, for what it's worth. She beat Samsonova, uh, I believe it was, yes, earlier. No, excuse me. It was not earlier this season. She beat Samsonova uh, last year in Palermo, 6-3-6-2. That was a clay court match, though, a completely different Ludmilla Samsonova. I'll take Samsonova to advance again minus two and a half games to capture another title she's really and i said this on the last show she is this year's net contave folks and maybe we're just not paying that fact enough attention as a broader tennis public because there are so many retirements and so many other things going on right now in the tennis world but we're gonna take that samson nova minus two and a half games and we're gonna parlay it with brandon nakashima the fifth seed in san diego a 64 and a half percent favorite over chris o'connell Quick numbers for you on Brandon Nakashima because I alluded to them yesterday. Now, 21 and 10 since the start of the French Open, 18 and 2 
against opponents ranked outside the top 50. Against those opponents, he's holding serve 91.9% of the time. That number individually would rank second in hold percentage on the ATP Tour. He'd trail only Nick Kyrgios. If you don't have a weapon or, uh, you know, an elite return to disrupt the rhythm of Brandon Nakashima, that's how comfortable he's gotten hitting his spots, not only with his serve, but with his first strike as well. When he has time on the forehand, he's turned it into a weapon. He's so comfortable and aggressive moving forward now. The backhand has always been elite. Of course, he can turn defense into offense and show off some pretty solid defensive skills as well. He's a meatball out there, moves extraordinarily well, stronger than you think. I'm a big believer in Brandon Nakashima's game. And as impressive as Chris O'Connell's three-set win over Jensen Brooksby was in the quarterfinals, a two-hour, 38-minute win for Jensen Brooksby. And for what it's worth, Nakashima coming off of an hour, 54-minute three-set win over Daniel Galan. You know, I think it's a little bit easier for Nakashima to manufacture pace from the center of the court than it is for Brooksby right now. And, you know, again, they're both very good returners. Brooksby puts more returns in play I do think Brandon, again, solid off of both wings, even if the percentages aren't the kindest to him from a return point uh, point of view. You know, he's at 22.5% average for the season. That's outside below the average of a top 20, uh, top 50 player, excuse me. Um, that said, I test suggest Brandon Nakashima, particularly against non-elite serves, can be an elite returner. And again, he's turned that serve into such a weapon. I think it's the biggest weapon on the court. And I think it's the more, most definitive weapon where, again, for Brooksby, you say, well, it's his consistency, his ability to wear O'Connell down. O'Connell's not a guy you wear down. O'Connell is extraordinarily physically fit. You need a reliable weapon to win points. Points easy for yourself. I think Brandon has that in his serve. I like him. Minus two and a half games over O'Connell tomorrow, which is a minus 160 line on its own. But you parlay that with Samsonova plus 203 odds. We'll take it and we'll throw half a unit on that as well. So again, we're playing the margins tight here today. Ostapenko plus 105 over Alexandrova, half a unit on the money line to win 0.52. Nakashima uh, minus two and a half games over O'Connell, which is minus 160. Samsonova, minus two and a half games over Chin Wen, which is minus 115. That's plus 203 when parlayed together. We'll throw half a unit on that to win 1.01 in return. Now, even if both fall short, we're still five and five, up 0.8. Uh, 0.8 units overall on the week, which isn't great, but we're in the winner circle, which is where you want to be. That said, you look at some of the other things on my board. How about Melikar Martinez and Perez? Minus 110 over Dabrowski and Olmos. Now Dabrowski and Olmos second in the points race. Martinez, uh, Melikar Martinez, Perez, I believe eighth, but I believe the duo is also 22 and five since the start of Wimbledon. They have been exceptional and, you know, minus 110, Interesting. Uh, Lorenzo Sinego, interesting. I think he's been the best player this week in France. He's minus 105 against Sasha Bublik tomorrow. That said, the reason Bublik's the minus 115 favorite, he's a 67% uh, favorite according to the tennis abstract. Singles forecast, indoor hard courts, quick courts in France. Obviously, Bublik, his quick serving serve and volley, move forward, go for broke, you know, that game style rewarded in these conditions. But for what it's worth, Sinego 3-1 and one against Bublik in his career now. One of the wins at Roland Garros, so you throw that one out. A win on a grass court, not horribly dissimilar, but the win in Paris in 2020, that's the one I have my eye on because... 
that was an indoor hardcourt affair. It was a one in four win. I think Sinego can apply enough plus one pressure that Bublik's not going to be able to play all of his trick shots. Sinego's not going to get tentative in the face of Bublik's power. I kind of like Lorenzo Sinego to advance and win this title, despite him being the slight underdog and the percentage underdog. Minus 105 would be what I hit. You probably live bet both sides of the match. You bet against whoever wins set number one. You hope it goes in your favor. Those are the money lines I have my eyes on. I mean, credit to Sasha Bublik. Indoor hardcourt, he takes advantage. Got a good win over, uh, over excuse me, Runa in the quarterfinals. For Sinego, good wins over Korda, over Hercots in straight sets, over Simone, over Karatsev. This has been a much-needed run, and he's back inside the top 50 as such, and that just makes your scheduling a lot easier to start the 2023 season. Hello, Indian Wells. Hello. Hello, Miami. I'm getting in now that I'm inside the top 50. So that's a fun match to watch on Sunday morning before your NFL action begins, of course. You've also in San Diego, Dan Evans taking on Marcos Garon. Evans, a minus 220 favorite, 60.6% favorite according to San Diego. He's 2-0 against Garon, but again, the California kid in California, Garon, really impressive wins over Duckworth, over Echeverry this week. He's looked rock solid, and I think this match goes over two and a half sets, plus 155 is interesting. Over 21 and a half games, minus 160, also interesting. I'd lean Evans, but that's a stay away from me, and more than anything, I just enjoy that match. I kind of root for a Nakashima Garon All-California final, because I think that would be a fun Sunday storyline. Of course, that's all your tour-level action. You've got Laver Cup going on as well. Countless challengers across the globe. So much fun for all of us fans of the game of tennis. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow. Start looking ahead to next week. That's right, folks. The action never stops. I'm excited to head to LA to be on the call for Tennis Channel's T2 service, but we'll still hopefully have pots for all of you listeners. Maybe not every day next week, but we'll try to hit at least three out of the five days to keep all of you listeners updated on everything happening each day in the tennis world. Of course, for your updates, recaps on all of the action, head on over to our mini break podcast feed. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- event editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings, whom we appreciate their support of this show. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, your picks, Ostapanko, plus 105 money line, half a unit to win 0.52, Nakashima, minus two and a half games, parlayed with Samsonova minus two and a half games plus 203 half a unit to win 1.01 as always you know what we say may the odds be ever in your favor good luck everyone 